This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Slew of games to go over from last night. Billion places that we can actually start. Let's go with the late game last night because that was very entertaining. The Sharks beat the Leafs 3-2. to A lot of pomp and circumstance. Patrick Marlowe returning to his old stomping grounds. And keep an eye on the Leafs right now. Uh, things kind of settle in. They're 7-5 and five after that quick start. Uh, but things are starting to slow down both offensively. And again, Anderson wasn't awful last night, but still um, not getting the job done after. Matthews gives the team a one to nothing lead, but it was three consecutive goals by the Sharks, including a Joel Ward goal, his first of the year. So he finally gets the gorilla off his back, having not scored a goal going through some injuries early in the season. It's an empty netter to make it 3-1. Borgman then scores to make it 3-2 with a minute and 10 seconds remaining. So the empty netter turns out to be the game-winning goal. And San Jose starting to warm up just a little bit now with a 3-2 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it was good the reaction that San Jose gave him. Patrick Marlowe is just a fascinating guy, right? Because when you think of the studs that have played – over the last 20 years in the NHL. Marlowe may not jump to mind to you, but he almost never misses a game. Uh, He's got 99 game-winning goals. He has scored a game-winning goal against every team in the National Hockey League with the exception of the Sharks, who he played for the first time last night because he had been a Shark his entire career, and the Vegas Golden Knights, who he has not played yet. There's three other players that have scored against every other team in the National Hockey League. I think it's Owen Nolan and Brendan Shanahan, who have game-winning goals. Those guys played forever and played for a bunch of teams. Patrick Marlowe played for the Sharks his entire career until the Leafs this year. So you think eventually he's going to get one against the Golden Knights now and uh, that they're in the league and he'll play them a couple of times a year and then we'll see if he ever gets to do it against the Sharks. But 99 game-winning goals, I mean, this is still one of the great players of our generation. Underappreciated because I think he was underappreciated in San Jose, right? Um was someone that didn't seem comfortable with a leadership role, always seemed to live in the shadow of Joe Thornton. Uh, San Jose always was looked upon as a team that underachieved. A, a few conference final appearances, finally the one Stanley Cup final appearance a couple of years ago, but no cups and just the one Stanley Cup final. So there was always this feeling of underachieving. There were times where they got upset early in the rounds, and there were always rumors swirling about Patrick that he was going to get traded. So I'm sure, and I can love to hear from Shark fans, you guys have as much a right to talk and, and contribute to the show as any of the other 30 fan bases in the National Hockey League, but there was always this sense that he was eventually going to get traded away. And then he hung around, but he has just been a phenomenal player. He's not Joe Thornton, who's on his way to the Hall of Fame, but in a lot of ways more important to the Sharks because he had been there forever, and now he's got a chance to see what he can do in Toronto, and he's been a major contributor there. So uh did not have that moment of scoring in the 3-2 loss, but I thought that it was nice that he was appreciated by the fans of San Jose. Canucks um, finally lose the game, but they did earn a point. So the Canucks 6-3-2 and continue their hot streak last night. Uh, the offense kind of stopped, but looked like they were on their way to losing this game. Sagan scores uh, early in the second period, and they milk that one nothing lead until Sam Gagne scores his first as a Canuck, six minutes into the third period to tie it, and then Radulov wins it in an overtime. And that, that line is just scary good. We've talked about that many times 
with the Dallas Stars. And Bishop was good between the pipes. Uh, Markinson also good for Vancouver. So that was a that was a fun game. And even though uh, Vancouver finally had their winning streak snapped, they still earned a point in the standing, which is going to be important in that division specifically. So that was good. Blues finally calmed down the Los Angeles Kings 4-2, to and we've acknowledged the Blues as being a top-five team, but now 10-2-1 to start the year. I believe it's the first team to get to double-digit wins so far this year, and the Kings suffered just their second regulation loss of the year. Wild game in Florida between the Lightning and the Panthers, just goals galore. Kucherov gets his 13th of the year. Stamkos gets a couple of goals. A guy that doesn't get talked a lot with Tampa Bay, Nemestikov, he picks up his fifth of the year. Watching the Panthers, and I got a chance to see him in that loss to the Canadians last week. Boy, they, they have a lot of offense. I'm going to be calling their game in sat- on Saturday, uh, the New York Ranger game uh, on Saturday night. So I'll be in Fort Lauderdale for that one, getting a chance to see the Panthers for the first time live. Uh, they're a thrill a minute for sure, uh, but the Lightning are just a better team right now. And even in a game where the Panthers get five, uh, the Lightning also now with ten wins on the season end up putting up an eight spot. You, you felt like you were watching hockey from like 86-87 last year, not 2017-2018. The goals were crazy. Canadians with an 8-3 to win over Ottawa. Keep an eye on the Senators. Uh, I was listening to a lot of this game driving home last night from work, and... Dean Brown, the play-by-play voice of the Senators, he is just phenomenal. We had him on last year for the playoffs. Just killing Eric Carlson. He just played awful Eric Carlson in the first period. 4-2, wild game, six goals scored in the first period. But then Montreal just goes off. Uh, Houdon gets a couple of goals. Pacioretty gets his fourth of the year. Lekkinen gets his first two goals of the year. Gallagher contributes as well. Blakanitz, who's been a bit of a struggle for him, gets his second goal. So they put up an eight spot. They didn't get a ton of shots on goal, Montreal. That's what's crazy. Montreal only had, uh, looking at the shot totals, 29 shots on goal. So the fact that they scored eight on 29, I think at one point they had seven goals on 19 shots. And the previous two games, the Canadians had 83 shots on goal combined. They put up 43 against the Rangers on Saturday. And then in the 4 nothing loss to the Los Angeles Kings, they put up 40. So maybe this Montreal team is starting to turn the corner. They're finding it offensively. Price is Price. I thought he was, you know, he's been okay. It's just it's ironic, right? Price was struggling when this team was struggling to score goals. And now you take a look and then Price has kind of settled down just a bit. And now the team is, score, is scoring and bailing them out. The offense certainly bailed him out on Saturday in a 5-4 win against the Rangers. And he gave up three goals last night to Ottawa, but the Canadians bailed him out with eight. Uh, Montoya actually was in goal for the Canadiens, so um, Price uh, has been okay. Montoya last night gives up three goals, but the Canadiens, uh, with 13 goals in the last two games, getting a ton of shots on goal. Maybe Montreal is beginning to turn the corner. Uh, Blue, Blue Jackets with a shootout win over the Boston Bruins, so very quietly the Columbus Blue Jackets are 8-4. and four. I'm going to get a chance to see them again later on in the month. Boone Jenner is finally back and healthy, and that's going to be important for the Blue Jackets because he's always been hurt. Uh, he gets his first goal of the season. Um, a couple of third-period goals by Krug and Marchand um, help Boston come back and, and, and 
tie this game after they had been trailing three to nothing. So a late second period goal by Bergeron is second. Then a couple of goals by Boston in the third force it into the shootout. But Columbus ends up getting uh, the extra point. That was an entertaining watch as well. Um, God, the, the Coyotes had to be pulling their hair out last night, right? They get a three to one lead, actually a three nothing lead in this one. I was tracking this on the phone. Martin Uck Dvorak scored two first period goals. Um, that's three nothing early in the third period, and you're thinking, okay, finally the Coyotes at o ten and one are going to pick up their first victory of the season. Couturier, Wheel. And Couturier again, three unanswered goals. But here's the kicker. Two of the three goals come with under a minute left in regulation. Wheel scores at 19.07 to make it 3-2. Couturier then scores, what is it, uh, 19.45. So just uh, 38 seconds later to tie the game up at three. And you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. This team is never going to win a game. But they get to overtime and then... Um, Alex Goligoski scores with 15 seconds to go in overtime, and the Coyotes celebrate their first win. So you feel bad for Philadelphia, right? Because somebody was going to lose to Arizona for the first time. It was almost the Devils. Uh, the Coyotes blew a two goal, uh, blew a goal lead, giving up two goals in the third period back on Saturday. So it was almost New Jersey, uh, but. Philadelphia ended up being the team. The number came up, but it wasn't that they uh, went down quietly at all. And the Islanders with a 6-3 win over the um, the Golden Knights. Golden Knights suffered just their second loss of the season. And the difference in this one has been the difference for the uh, – for the um, New York Islanders now for a while has been this unbelievable play of John Tavares. He had the hat trick the other night. Um, he picks up uh, – Two goals last night. So now Tavares sitting there with 11 goals on the year, just two behind Kucherov for the most in the National Hockey League, and he's really beginning to warm up. And and, uh, JR sent me a tweet um, sending me an article from ESPN.com just about where John Tavares is going to be playing next season. Um, There's been a lot of conversation about whether he is going to be able to re-sign from what I understand. It's not about his play. The Islanders want him to stay. There has to be some concrete evidence that the Islanders are going to stay in New York. I don't think he wants to sign long-term here and they go to Seattle or they go to Quebec City or something happens where they're not going to be in this area. And that's hard to do. Uh, Ledecky and Malcolm, we've talked about it before. They want to invest money in Belmont Park. They want to do something over at City Field. Belmont Park seems the more logical. There's rumors still persisting that they might be able to get something done at the Nassau Coliseum. But they have to get that down in writing, I think, before Tavares can commit. There are going to be teams that are going to want John Tavares. I, I, I perish the thought of the Islanders moving forward without Tavares. He's the most exciting player on the team. He's the most exciting player that they've really had. I mean, let's be honest. Do you want to talk about when they had those playoff appearances back in the early 2000s with Alexei Yashin? I think Tavares is better than Yashin. You want to go back to uh, the post-Cup championships with Pat LaFontaine? I mean, Pat LaFontaine had more points than JT because it was a different era, but I think Tavares is in that conversation. So we're talking about a player that is of the ilk of the greatest 
ever played. We're talking about a Brian Trottier. We're talking about a Mike Bossy. We're talking about some of the best that have ever played for the New York Islanders. He is that guy. And if you end up losing him, then you can't st- uh, stay face with your org- your fan base. You can't stay face as an organization. It would just be an absolute disaster. They have to find a way to be able to confirm that they're staying here. Even if it's in Brooklyn, which I just don't see being a long-term answer, but I, I think even that would be better to keeping Tavares here than to have the threat of him going and playing someplace else. I think he's proud to be an Islander, but I don't think he wants to be an Islander and, and be a vagabond either. I think he wants to know that the next contract he signs is going to be in the city where he wants to be, with the team that drafted him, with a fan base that loves him, and see to completion a career here with the Islanders. But that's not going to happen if this team is going to move. So it's interesting that he's playing as well as he is. I think it's a testament to him with the contract on his mind, with the future of the organization on his mind, he's able to go out there and have this kind of a year. And the Islanders starting to turn the corner a little bit. I think that's a great, great story. So I wanted to mention, you know, JT sent me that article. So we'll follow that story. We'll continue to press on it because that's what game misconduct does. We try to find it out, try to talk with people uh, inside the organization as well and see if we can get some answers on that because I just think it would be a travesty to see him uh, go someplace else for sure. So we'll see if they are able to get something done. Uh, eight games last night, only three tonight, but I think all of them are pretty entertaining. Uh, Golden Knights coming off just their second loss ever will be at Madison Square Garden to take on the Rangers and all the rumors swirling around the Rangers as if a, a, the next loss could be AV's last. And I know this is an expansion team, but it's still an 8-2-0 and expansion team, so that should be interesting. And the Coyotes go right off of their first victory of the season of Philadelphia, go to Detroit to take on a Red Wings team that's under 500. And the Jets, after putting up a seven spot against Pittsburgh, will be in Minnesota to take on the Wild. The Wild, one team recently has been able to figure out the Islanders. Wild 4-3-2, and two, while the Jets are 5-3-2. and two. All right, let's hear from you. NR Fanatic at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. What do you make of the Canadians putting up eight goals against the Senators yesterday? Well, I do think that the Canadians are starting to turn the corner. I don't think they're a playoff team. I've said that all along, but they weren't the worst team in the league either. So maybe they're just coming together at the right time here. And Ottawa's played with fire for too long. I mean, I think Ottawa's a great team, but look, at they had five losses in overtime of the shootout. That tells you that every game that they play seems to come down to the third period, one-goal games. Uh, Carlson did not play well. Uh, they've been a little banged up, too, with Carlson obviously starting the season injured. I mean, he still may not be 100%. I think Ottawa's going to be fine, and I think Montreal will climb up uh, the standings. Um, Chris Moore sends a tweet. What are your thoughts on Gordon not being in Ottawa last night with the rest of the top management? I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm, I, I'm hearing the same rumors that you're hearing. Um, does that mean that he's someplace else, that they're going to put off a big deal? I'm hearing Kreider's going to get traded. I'm hearing Shea's going to get traded. I'm hearing they're interested in Duchesne. There's going to be some huge, big blockbuster. Hey, listen, I work for the organization. I call games when Kenny can't. I do the pre and post. I've attended every single one of their 12 games. I'm going to be there tonight. But I'd be lying if I told you that I have like some inside information that they're going to pull off that kind of a deal. All right, And anybody that tells you that they've heard it is probably hearing it from someone that is not that much in the know 
They're just putting two and two together. Who's not here? Some some scouts here. I got to tell you, I'll be at the garden tonight, and I will tell you. I will be honest with you. If I see a scout that I normally don't see, but you know Mark Howe, uh, Pete Mahovlich, uh, all the same scouts that usually are at Madison Square Garden have been there. So. To say that there's somebody that's here that was never here before. If I see something out of the ordinary, if I hear something, I'll let you know. But I got to be honest with you, I, I really don't um, honestly see any anything about a big blockbuster trade. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but I'm not getting any kind of a sense at all that 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 is that it this close. And and some of the rumors do seem a little bit silly. Uh, Liam says, have you heard actual evidence to support rumors the Rangers are looking to trade Kreider? No. And and, and Kreider seems like a guy that could be traded, right? He's underachieving. Uh, he's not the player that he was last year. Uh, he doesn't play consistently. Well, all the holes, all the reasons you want to trade him are the, are the reasons why other teams probably don't want him either. And I'm telling you, the one thing that I did here is if you want to make a blockbuster deal, uh, Kreider is probably not the name you're hearing. It's it, it's going to be Shea. It, it, that, that's who they're going to want. They're going to want a young defenseman that's going to help. They're going to want a young center, You know, whether it's Anderson, who they just drafted. Um, just because y- y- Michael Kay mentions it all the time on his show. The flotsam and jetsam, right? The, the 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 ancillary stuff that you look at and you say, you know, we can afford to give up. Let's give this. Let's give that. Other teams need to want that. So, is there going to be a team out there that is going to trade you exactly what you need for an underachieving winger? Most teams are looking to trade centers and defensemen to upgrade center and defensemen. I mean, that's what they're looking to do. Now, the Duchesne thing's interesting because it looks like he's out the door, but you've seen the way Colorado is treated. You hear the names that get mentioned, a McAvoy, a Carlo, a Shea, of specifically what they're looking for to trade their commodity. They're willing to trade a center, but he is still on this team. They went through the embarrassment of keeping him on this team through the summer. They went through the embarrassment of on opening day, he doesn't want to talk to anybody because he's shocked he's still there because they're not going to give him up for just anything. So I'll keep my ear to the ground, but I have not heard anything substantial about any of these rumored trades at all. James says, between Islanders and Devils, do both teams make the playoffs? Also, what do the Isles need to be a true contender? They need to upgrade that D. Uh, certainly, I think you can get by. I'm not in love with Halak and Grice. I like Halak a little better because he's played in big games. they got to upgrade that D. I mean, you've got Letty. Boy Chuck now is back and healthy. That's going to help. But I just don't know if they're deep enough on, on D. That might be an area where they're going to look to address. But... Hey, James, the, Toronto's looking to address their D. There's plenty of teams that would love to be able to add defensemen, but I think specifically that's the need. I think with these with these um, Brazel, you look at what uh, Hosang can do. Um, certainly JT's played well. Eberle's finally on the board. I think they've got enough scoring. I just think they need some blue line help. Uh, Jake says, hey, Don, how many games do you let Hank play this season? Better to give him more rest, but also need to start winning games. Exactly. I mean, the... The luxury of saying I'd like to scale down the amount of starts for my aging goaltender is a luxury that only teams that know they're definitely making the playoffs can have. And with the Rangers start, 
I don't think they can sit here and say, oh, well, we know we're making the playoffs. So what ends up happening is Hank plays a little bit more. I found it interesting that Pavlik played in Montreal, but maybe it is showing that A.V. is trying to do two things. He's trying to make sure he wins games but not come at the expense of draining Henrik Lundqvist. And I think he looked at this week and figured, I got an 8-2 and two Vegas team. I got Tampa, one of the best teams in the league. I got a Florida team that, can, that, that at times can score at will. I might have to ride Hank here, so maybe he just decided against a lesser team in Montreal, at least what we thought was a lesser team in Montreal on Saturday, he'd start Pavlik. But the idea is to have him play 60-65 games. That's ideal, but Pavlik has to earn the right to play those 25 extra games or 20-25 extra games, and the Rangers are going to have to have the luxury of starting their backup goaltender in some key games. Uh, Frank says, is trading Chris Kreider going to help the Rangers win? Well, what do you get back in return? If it's a, if it's a, a true top-line defenseman that can play with Ryan McDonough, it helps. If it is a number-one center, it helps. If it's just we're getting rid of Chris Kreider, who's underachieved, and bringing somebody else in that's underachieved there and hoping that a change of scenery is going to help, then that's not going to be. Uh, anything that I think the Rangers are going to have an appetite to do. Michael says, will Lane Vigneault make it to Thanksgiving? If I had to guess, I'd say yes. Um, Jake says, where does Vegas go from here after losing Danks last night? Losing three goalies in one month is difficult. Legacy is going to make the start tonight. It's a great point that you brought up about losing the goaltender again. And he was, I believe, the number one star last week, or at least one of the three stars of the week. I, I have no idea. I mean, they're taking goalies off the scrap heap as it is. I am hearing Flurry is closer to getting back, so hopefully Flurry can be okay. Uh, Mike Fitzgerald says, is Jack Eichel underperforming, or is this just who he is? He's on a really bad team right now. And, of course, is he living up to the contract? And that's going to always be a topic of conversation. I think Jack Eichel is one of the three or four best players in the National Hockey League. But he's stuck on a team right now that doesn't have a lot happening for them now. Uh, Evander Kane has been good for them. They've got some nice players. But it's difficult to evaluate this early in the season about a player that's playing in his third year and playing on a team that is among the worst teams in the league. If you want to tag him as an underachiever because he hasn't produced offensively and he hasn't lived up to the contract, I still think that that was a good move for Buffalo. Kevin says, which team is one big trade free agent away for becoming a real contender? Wow, that's a terrific question. If you, if Toronto were to find a defenseman, they're a contender now, but that's a team that I would say, you know what? I would have no problem saying they're a cup contender. The problem I can't say they're a cup contender right now is is because I don't know if their goaltending and their defense is good enough. Columbus, if they were able to add another extra forward, I think that's a team I'd be a little bit more comfortable with to say that I think that can be a cup contender. Um, other than that, I mean, you look at the play, the teams that are cup contenders, Nashville's a cup contender, Chicago, they've underachieved. Um, if Edmonton, I don't know what's going on with Edmonton. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I got a game. I'm calling a game for them against the Rangers in a couple of weeks because they've baffled me. I really thought that team was a stud team, and um, they just haven't been able to gain uh, too much traction. Five-minute major, one of our favorites. So excited to be at the Garden tonight for the Golden Knights' first trip to Broadway in franchise history. So hopefully I'll get a chance to see it. I'm excited about this game. I mean, normally it's an expansion team, so there's a there's some level of excitement Um 
to seeing a team for the very first time, but seeing an expansion team that's won eight of their first ten games, pretty crazy. Brett Ludstig, a friend of the show, says, say they're in company scouting an Ottawa game last night. Strange for senior staff to be scouting. Something must be brewing. Well, we'll see. What does Ottawa have that the Rangers need? Does Ottawa, would you say, because they have some defensemen that they are willing to part with? I mean, you're obviously not getting rid of Carlson. Uh, Let's see. Let's take a look at the Ottawa Senators roster. Let's have some fun with it, shall we, just to see who could be expendable. They're not going to give up Broussard. Um, If you want Alex Burroughs, I don't know how much that helps. I don't see their – you look at their centers, Nate Thompson, they just got Kyle Torres, um, Pajot. Those are, those, those are a bunch of centers that are what the Rangers already have. Now, here is where it gets interesting with the blue line because I think they're fairly deep at blue line. They just went and acquired Johnny Oduya, Eric Carlson. I like Clayson. I like CeCe. Borvievsky is a solid defenseman. Wybin's a solid defenseman. Phaneuf, I think, is a little bit long on the tooth. So you're telling me that maybe there's a defenseman there? Maybe? We'll have to see. Neil says, have to mention the Coyotes in their first win of the season. Thought they blew it when it was sent to overtime. I did, too. But I felt pretty good they were able to get that win. I like the Coyotes. They're a young team. I like uh, Derek Stepan obviously covering him. Clendenning got a chance to cover him last year with the Rangers and Duclair. Uh, Ty Domi's son's been fun to watch. Um, and certainly Keller's been a good young player. But also I've been a, a big, big big fan of Rick Tocchin, of course, John McClain. They've got a new system there, and, and hopefully they get some wins and feel a little bit better about themselves. Neil says, anyone know what the crowd was at the Panthers-Tampa game? Looks like a lot of empty seats. So let's let's take a look and see what the um, attendance was for that game. Because it says it right in the box score. But curious. I, I did not, again, I listened to a lot of that game, didn't watch the game. So I'm not sure what the crowd was. I'm not surprised. The game was in Florida. So I don't know why anybody would expect the crowds to be you know, tremendous, considering that the Panthers are kind of a, I don't want to call them a nondescript team, but certainly not a team that's you know banging on the door of winning any championships anytime soon. We've seen that team draw crowds when they've been okay. But so far, I think people are kind of waiting to see what this team is going to be. 9,493. So... That's not good. You got one of the best teams in town, somewhat of a rivalry, I guess, although just maybe from uh, geographic proximity. But you get under 10,000 fans during a week. It's not really working in Florida. Um, I feel uncomfortable to say that uh, because there's a lot of good people that run that organization and a lot of good people. I know Steve Goldstein, Denny Potvin, Randy Moeller, part of their broadcast on the television side. I mean, uh, I'd hate to see that those guys get uprooted, but you, know, you look at Florida. I mean, you bring up a great point: ten thousand, less than ten thousand fans for a Lightning game. Again, it's a Monday. You got Monday night football. It's a football town. Fact is, the Panthers aren't very good. 
Um, I think they've got a good young team that people should be interested in, but unless it's a weekend, unless it's the Rangers or the Bruins or you know a team that's got a huge following like the Flyers or the Red Wings coming to town or when the Canadians come in there, by God, when the Canadians play in Florida, it's like another – it's like it's, an, it's a pseudo-home game for them. But the team you know, coming off of uh, not making the playoffs last year, not predicted to make the playoffs this year. But the one thing I always hate hearing – well, they haven't won, so I expect people to go. Well, you can't always win. Yeah, when you win, people will go, but you also have to be able to make some money and get people in the building in years where you're average or you're below average. can't win every year, and you can't hemorrhage money and be threatening to move every time you have a subpar season. George says, from Toronto, big fan of the show, How do you think? Um, who do you think will be the better player long-term, Marner or Nylander? Well, I'm going to just go by watching, and when I and I've called a bunch of Toronto games since those guys have been up, and I called the game the second game of the season. You say I say Nylander's name a lot more. I notice him a lot more now. Marner's really good, but if I had to pick a player, I probably would say Nylander. But that's just a guess on my part. But that that's maybe that's not the scientific way to go about it. But it seems like I notice him more. Then I notice uh, Marner, but I notice both of them. Don't get me wrong, but Nylander has really been impressive. Victor says, uh, meant to tweet earlier, but busy Monday. But does a successful Western Canadian Devils road trip finally make the team worthy of being considered a playoff team? Well, we were talking about it with Vegas coming out east, that this is going to be a big test. I think this is a very, very interesting week coming up for the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, hopefully we'll get a, a, a chance to see um, – what they can do when they go out west. So their their first game is against Vancouver. So they got the Canucks coming up, uh, and that's a team that's been red hot. I just want to be able to find their schedule here to just go over the whole western swing, Calgary, Edmonton. But I want to be able to get the days together here to see um, what we're looking at with the Devils. And like you said, tomorrow, Vancouver. Vancouver plays has played like one game in the last like seven, so they have been pretty well rested. But so have the Devils. They, they've hardly played at all. Then you go to Edmonton Friday, so a day off. Then Sunday in Calgary. And then you come home to take on St. Louis, which also should be included in the synopsis because St. Louis is one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. It will be a test. Going out west sometimes can bring a bunch of kids together, and that's what they have, kids. That's a fun trip. Starts in Vancouver, which is a gorgeous city, to Edmonton, Calgary. I've been on that trip. It's tremendous. But it's a long trip. Vancouver's playing very well. Calgary and Edmonton certainly have been up and down. Certainly Edmonton's been down. Calgary, it's an interesting test. What do you want? They come back with four points, Victor. I think you take it. Courtney, is there anything the Rangers can do to get themselves out of this mess? Maybe we were spoiled last year with overachievers. They will progress. They will get better. But at some point, we are going to have to think about the possibility of this not being a cup contender. I mean, right now it's just trying to get back to NHL 500. Then it's to establish yourself as a playoff team then it start talking about the cup. 
Right now at 3-7-2, and two, the only conversation right now is to get back to NHL 500. And what I mean is make up the four games that they are down in the loss column. So if they get to 7-7-2, seven, seven and two, all right, mission accomplished there. Now establish yourself as a playoff team. But it's going to be tough, man. It gets late early. I mean, you look at the standings now. Everybody's played double-digit games, right? Everybody's played between 13 and 10 games. Minnesota's the one rogue team that has only played nine. But everybody in the Eastern Conference has played 10 or more games. Right now, only Buffalo is in worse shape than the Rangers. Buffalo. That's it. Both of those teams have eight points. Montreal has nine. Florida's got nine with a game in hand. Carolina's got ten points with two games in hand. So the Rangers have to start winning. Now, because it's early, point-wise, you're not that far behind. You're five points out of a playoff spot. Philadelphia is the second wild-card team. When you look at third place in the in the Metropolitan Division, where the Islanders are, they've got 15 points, same amount of games played. So you're seven points back there. But by a playoff spot, you're only five back. But the problem is Montreal, Florida, Carolina, Detroit, Washington, Boston, all between you. Boston's got two games in hand. Carolina's got two games in hand. you got work to do. And the minus nine goal differential, Buffalo, Montreal, and strangely enough, Pittsburgh, that's a minus 14, are the only teams that are worse off than you in that category. But Pittsburgh's able to compensate for it. They've given up a lot of goals, but they also have scored, and, and, and their timing of when they've been able to do it has helped. Plus, they've played one more game, so we'll see after tonight what it ends up being. But Pittsburgh at least has the feeling of, I can go home, and, and where they're undefeated. Rangers at home are 3-4-2, and two, have yet to win so far on the road. Team's got a lot of work to do. And it starts tonight. Maybe you're catching Vegas at the right time here. They're, they played the night before, suffering just their second loss. Tangle with Tampa, which I can't even begin to explain away that that's going to be easy. And then Florida, which, again, depends on what Florida you catch. So there's obviously two very winnable games this week. Got to win them. And got to establish something at home, too. I know we're talking about them being 0-3 on the road, but they did win 27 games on the road last year. But we've outlined over the last 40 regular season games, the Rangers are grossly under 500 at the Garden. That has to be a lot better as well. So three games tonight, but I think all of them have significance uh, to the race. Um, If you're a hockey fan, you know better than I do. It's never too early. Tomorrow's November. So the first month of the season's in the books. Most teams, as we mentioned, have played 10 or more games. So you're 12, you've got 70 games left. That seems like a lot, but 12 is also a decent enough sample to see where you're going. So got to start winning games, got to start establishing yourself because you can really put yourself behind the eight ball. I've said it before, I'm not the first person to say it, but I'll be the last person on this podcast to say it. You can't win a Stanley Cup in October, but you certainly can lose it. And the same goes for November. So we'll see what happens tonight. Tomorrow we'll recap the games for tonight and preview it'll be a big Wednesday in hockey. As I mentioned, kind of strange tonight that there's only three games, but we'll get back on the horse on Wednesday with quite a few more. Wednesday has got actually five games. And then Thursday we get back to normal where there'll be a full slate of games. So we've got a big week ahead. Recap things tomorrow. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct.
Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.